Hello, everybody. It's the Farm and Garden Show. I'm your host, Elizabeth Archer. I am so happy to be with you today back in the Ukiah studio, a little satellite studio here. And we have a very cool show. My guest today is Ruthie King, owner and operator of Headwaters Grazing and Sheer Mendocino. She's also a member of the Ridgewood Ranch Community of Farmers. Ruthie is also, importantly for today's show, a former farm and garden show host. I can't think of anyone better to do my first ever Pledge Drive show with. Hi, Ruthie. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Elizabeth. It's so good to be here. I'm excited for Pledge Drive and being back on air and just so thrilled to be here. Thank you. Well, as listeners must know by now, we're in the middle of a Pledge Drive. Uh, It's a historic Pledge pledge Drive. We've never had such lofty goals. It's also personally relevant because I've never done a Pledge Drive and I'm really nervous. So thank you for joining me. Oh, it's going to go great. (laughs) I I love Pledge Drive, and I think by the end of this hour, you will too. And if you're like me, a listener out there who has a sick pleasure for Pledge Drive week, this this is going to be a fun one. Yeah. It looks like we're more than halfway through the drive total already. Yeah. So the goal is $150,000 toward the million dollars we need to raise to build the new studio in Ukiah. And we have made, as of, I guess, the last show, I think this is updated, $76,591. So 73 grand to go. And when we reach that goal, we will end the pledge drive. If we get there early, we'll end it early. So for people who (laughs) don't like the Pledge Drive shows, which is some people, um, you know, make a really big donation and you can make it go away. (laughs) I like them. I like listening. I like them too. And honestly, I had never thought of this idea that you have for for how to make Farm and Garden Pledge Drive show a special edition, which is... The idea that at every every pitch that we'll make, another juicy, embarrassing story will be told. A grand reveal, either a surprise or a secret or some deeply, deeply embarrassing story. I think that's brilliant. So. Oh, thank you. I love putting myself out for a public flogging for a good yes. cause. <laughs> yeah, we're like you said before, we're all just volunteers, mostly, at, you know, programming at the station. And it's just like. A wonderful experience for our listeners to get to hear the the truth about who we really are. <laughs> the air. behind the scenes. So if you're listening and you're thinking this is getting boring, just hang out because we have some juicy tidbits for you and we will continue to reveal them throughout the show. So usually I don't open the phones until the second half of the show, but today's special. We're doing everything a little different. So if you want to call us, um, especially if you're going to make a donation, but we'll we'll hear from you. Anyway, you can call and talk to us live on the air at 707-895-2448. So, Ruthie, before we dive into the theme of the show, or I guess this is the transition to the theme of the show, Life and Death on the Farm, itself a very juicy topic, you have a very exciting life-related announcement to make (laughs) to the whole world. I do. Yeah. Thank you. Um, for that little intro, and I'm blushing right now because (laughs) it's hard to share, but this is a fun one. Um, I am happy to announce that I'm pregnant. My first 
baby. Yay, and, babies. Um, yep, Dylan Jones is the father. He's out in Covalo right now working with the, the live power team to um, till some fields and shear some sheep. And we successfully made a baby. You made a baby. You raised <laughs> yeah, babies from, and you're going to raise a baby. cooking right now. But um, <laughs> so <laughs> this little baby's due August 27th. Um, and has already completely shifted my perspective on life and death and um, on the work that I do and the connections and relationships that I have with animals and people and the land. It's just incredible how much I've already started my perspective shift. And yeah. I've heard and I know, and you know, as a mother also, that the, the change between pre- child and post-child is sounds like a revolutionary change and i'm looking forward to it well pregnancy itself i mean people often say that for the not pregnant partner parenthood begins at birth but for the pregnant partner parenthood begins the instant you know you're pregnant um so yeah it is it is a a life-changing thing to say the least i'm so excited i'm so excited <laughs> for another farm baby i am sorry that you're going to be pregnant in the summer because that is hot that is a yeah. hot situation i had my baby in january and it was delightful <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's um i think it's actually going to all work out with my grazing season, my, my busiest time of year is actually right now. Um, I just got finished with lambing. I raise sheep here. I've been raising sheep for nine years um, in the county. And yeah, um, we should probably tell people who, not that people don't know, but let's tell people who you are. <laughs> what do you do? Where are you from? <laughs> I'm a shepherd um, and I'm based off of Ridgewood Ranch in Willits. I moved to Ridgewood nine years ago to help start the School of Adaptive Agriculture, the farm school. And um, that first year, I was gifted two sheep from Gowan at Fortunate Farm um, for the demonstration flock, the beginning of the demonstration flock for the school. And that's how it all started for me. One of those sheep is still in my flock. She's 14 years old. Oh, wow. Oh, grandma. Great grandma. Yeah. (laughs) She's she's in in the retirement program, so she doesn't, I don't, breed her anymore that would be an old mama yeah she's just there to lead the lambs around and show them where the gates are and how to get to water and she's really good at that job so um so yeah i've been raising sheep for for almost a decade and um the first two sheep i was given are icelandic this really very interesting primitive breed um, multi-purpose breed they're awesome at thriving on dry california native grasses um meaning they don't really need to be fed um, grain or any kind of additional high-protein feed. They're really awesome at thriving on sticks, basically. Nice. Um, Love a low-maintenance animal. (laughs) Yeah, very resilient. Um, A lot to learn from them on that front. But um, they're also great at producing wool. They're a fast-growing, a long wool breed that needs to be sheared sheared twice a year, actually. Um, Is it typical to shear once a year? Yeah, most sheep are sheared just once a year in the spring, Icelandics, and churros are another example of that kind of sheep that need to be sheared twice a year. Um, so I raise them for their wool, for their meat, for their pelts, and most importantly, for the grazing work that they do. And so right now I'm in Boonville, I'm looking out over Anderson Valley from the top of a uh, of a mountain right now, actually, and my sheep are here grazing on contract. Um, this contract is focused on soil building and fuels reduction. 
and different contracts I do have different goals like that. Um, fire fuels reduction is a big one that people see grazing associated with, but grazing can also be used in conjunction with soil building, with fertility management, um, for invasive species um, mitigation. So there's all kinds of things that sheep and goats and ruminants are good for, and that's that's what I do. So this is your second time grazing this particular contract in Boonville, right? And you yeah. have already noticed a difference in the kinds of um, plant species that are present just after one year of grazing. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, a lot of the landscape in this county um, was, was grazed or was managed by the native people here with fire and with um, and with managing of wild ruminant deer, deer and antelope populations. And um, then, you know, a lot of that activity has stopped um, to the point where the native grasses and non-native grasses have grown, I would say, in a lot of places out of control, um, growing year after year, season after season, and drying and leaving thick thatch. And that's that kind of gray gray, brown, thick, dead grass you see all over the hillsides. Right, not desirable. Right, very flammable. Not only flammable, though, it blocks out the sunlight from getting to germinate seedlings that are, or, yeah, seeds that are in the ground below. And so eventually, um, you know, you get dominant species and you're blocking out anything that's trying to come up in between. So just in the first year of bringing sheep here last year, we were able to, trample a lot of that thatch and get that standing dead matter down on the ground so it could degrade over the winter and opened up all these different spaces in between. And this year I'm seeing, I'm seeing flax, I'm seeing like purple needle grass, blue wild rye, danthonia, all kinds of really cool species that are coming up that didn't really have much of an opportunity with the harding grass that was shading it out. And so that's been really fun to see, even in one year, a difference like that. Um, and this is definitely a long game kind of project. It's something that can take that takes a lifetime to make big landscape differences like that. This property is is pretty cool. This is I'm at Bell Valley, um, and they've been working with Terra, the Tribal Ecosystem Restoration Alliance, to do fur thinning and burning and really cool projects to try and bring back health to the landscape here. So grazing is just one piece of that whole puzzle. How big is your flock? How many sheep do you have with you? Gosh, hard to say. Too many to count, really. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I mean, it fluctuates throughout the year. Right now, there's there's about 50 um, adult sheep, and 40 of those are ewes who... um, lambed in the last month so i've got 60 or yeah 60 or so lambs running around out there adorable very cute yeah um and then because they're a meat a meat flock you know throughout the year i'll harvest twice i have twice a year that i that i harvest sheep so the fall after six months of growth is my first harvest for the faster growing animals in my flock and then some of the some of the sheep the primitive sheep are a slower growing breed so some of the sheep take an entire year to finish oh um, wow yeah so when i say finish i mean 
you know, and my goal is to get a 90 or 100 pound sheep um, that has good fat content. And um, so the six month sheep, the six month lamb, um, I'll finish on irrigated pasture at Ridgewood Ranch. And then the one year, the one year old lambs, they'll go for a year and finish on the green, the green grass of the spring the following season. So yeah, it, it really fluctuates throughout the year. And, um, you know, there's losses throughout the year, too. Um, I would say I'd like to think that as I've gained more experience, I've, I've also seen fewer losses. Mm. Um, but, yeah, la- last year my lambing season was just went off without a hitch. It was so nice, so smooth. All the moms lambed on pasture, no assistance, everything perfect. And I thought, wow, I'm really getting good at this. <laughs> Nothing like a little bit of... <laughs> ego yeah to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. bring so, you right back down that will happen to you in motherhood too <laughs> i think this year i was needing to learn some some lessons before going into motherhood and so um lambing was a little harder for me this year. yeah you got a couple bummer lambs huh yeah i've got a i've got a handful of bummer lambs which is what we call um basically orphaned lambs that need bottle feeding and um and it's it, it's always fun for the first week, maybe because <laughs> they're so little and cute and soft yeah, and helpless. But really, my goal—I mean, the, my goal with this flock is to be—you know—I I would really like for them to be sort of self-managing or you know have a low intensity level of management. Um, so, but what happens uh, if you don't interfere? I mean, if a bummer, if a lamb, a bummer lamb is abandoned and you don't bottle feed it, it just dies. Right, exactly. Right, so, and that's sad and also a financial loss for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the intervention, uh, it's like a constant, um, it's a constant decision that I'm making about what level of intervention is appropriate for, for my context, for my values, for the flock too, you know, if I'm intervening by assisting with births also, you know, what would have happened to that you and that lamb in the wild or without my assistance? They would have they would have died that those genetics wouldn't have been passed on and you know i would have been selecting i would be selecting for sheep that are able to lamb on pasture without assistance interesting so okay my my what i've landed on for my flock and everyone needs to come to this you know decision on their own based on their own values but for me what makes sense is if i'm present and i notice that there's a you who's struggling i'll assist help as much as I can and then basically make the decision later in the season whether I want to breed her again or whether she should be a call you sure but I don't if I can if I can step in and assist with immediate suffering a hundred percent I'll do that um but the the decision down the line of whether those genetics should be passed on or whether a swift death would be a better ending um and what That's can you do with a cold ewe? Because they're a little bit old. At that point, they're mutton, right? So right. a little bit less desirable for meat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mutton, I, I, there are clients, customers that I have who are who look for mutton, who like that stronger flavor and kind of leaner uh, texture and everything, too. Uh-huh. And I really like mutton, especially from the Icelandic. I do, too. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the gamier the I better. I need to taste like something, <laughs> and um, so there are people who out there who are interested in mutton. At some at some point, with some of these animals, if they have to be called and they're 
either they're not well or they're, you know, kind of too skinny and there's not, there's not really much worth harvesting, then um, often I'll, that'll go into my dog food. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. And so, and your and dogs are an integral part of the herd. So, or the, not the <laughs> yeah. herd, the flock. Yes, the flock. So um, it's full circle. Yeah, they would. They would like to be. They. I'm sure they appreciate you saying that about them. <laughs> oh come on! I thought you sent Chala to be trained. Yeah, yeah Choya. 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 Like the cactus, Chala. Yes. Choya. He um, did get sent to training camp. I have a one one year old um, Kelpie who she's a little sheepdog and i know you just did a sheepdog show yes um, two weeks ago that was very interesting yeah and and um they definitely have a lot of instincts those breeds but it's not enough (laughs) for them to just have the instinct and the drive she's got instinct and drive but uh the challenge is me that i i need the training on how to do the training and um so we're working on it and yeah maybe we'll get there one day where she will be a (laughs) a useful part of the whole system um but right now it's like human herded then you're not i really i did think that your dogs were herding dogs but no they're just adorable Mm. goofballs (laughs) yeah i i i got choya because i was really i hate running i was so sick of chasing sheep i never (laughs) wanted to run again it's shocking to me that i haven't you know twisted an ankle or something running on the hillsides with sheep that have gotten out of a fence um, and so, yeah, I got the dog thinking, well, that'll save me from having to ever run again. Um, and that's not <laughs> been the case. Now her. you're running after sheep and dogs. <laughs> yeah, she definitely runs much faster than me. So once I can get a, some control over, you know, over that, I think, um, I think we'll be a much better team. So we're working on it. Yeah. And, and, and they're, they're an important part of my life. And I think the way I raise sheep and the way I live my life, the holistic kind of picture is important. So my health and happiness, my mental health, that's all important to the health of the flock. So having companion animals is uh, really important to me too. Yeah, everybody, yeah. not everybody, but everybody who wants one should have a dog. Yeah. They're, they're, they're little loves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's time, Ruthie. It's time for our pitch number two. Boy, okay. Here we go. Remember, don't tune away because at the end of this little pitch, there's going to be an embarrassing story reveal, and it's one of mine. <laughs> and it's embarrassing. I mean, it's even 10 years later, I still am like, get sweaty palms thinking about it. So that's juicy. That's good. It yeah. is the Farm and Garden Show Pledge Drive. We have a goal of $1,000. Please don't leave us hanging. Um, we are volunteers, and it's a little bit nerve wracking uh, coming on the air and asking people for their hard earned money. So if it's something that you are able and willing to do, obviously, we would love to have your support. We have a challenge match of $250, which means that if we can raise $250, that'll be $500 toward our $1,000 goal. So, um, you know, I just love KZYX. <laughs> I like volunteering here. I like listening. Um, I like being a member. And it's just so, we're so fortunate to have such a thriving community um, radio station in Mendocino County. It really is. I've lived all over and there isn't anywhere I've ever been that has a radio station like this. So what does KZYX mean to you, Ruthie? Yeah. Um, you just broke up for a second there, oh. but. Oh dear. 
But I, <laughs> the spirit of what I heard you saying was how much you love KZYX and asking me what I, what I get out of KZYX. Is yeah. That what you asked? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I totally agree that I've never lived in a community that has a radio station quite like this. This is an, an incredible community resource. And whenever Pledge Drive comes around, it's a good moment for me to remember, wow, this really is a special thing that we have here. Um, I listen pretty much anytime I'm in a vehicle and then I have a radio at home in my kitchen too. So I'm listening pretty, pretty constantly. I even, I even love listening to the discussion hour. I don't know. Oh, I love the discussion hour. Yes. It's drama. It's juicy. It's local. It's (laughs) then, then it feels a little like it feels a little grimy sometimes and I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and so I love that there's that like really hometown feel, but then there's also the really professional and incredibly, pro- incredibly designed and engineered shows um, that keep me up to date with what's going on in the world and the state and the county. And just the reporting helps me feel like, you know, my head is down in the grass and with the sheep for most of the hours of my working day. And then you know, I like to be able to come back up and see what's going on all around me. Um, what did I miss today? And the perspectives that I hear from KZYX are so important. So I, I just, I can't say it enough. This radio station, you know, has, has made my world so much greater than it would have been without. Um, yeah, and- it's such a nice way to connect to the community. I mean, there's so many cool local um, uh, programmers. Oh, we have a call. Do you think it's okay to take a call in the middle of a, one of our pitches? I think so. Yeah. Oh, no, okay. they hung up. Hey, caller, you can go online to kzyx.org. And if you're old school, you can mail in your donation. I love getting mail. Who doesn't love getting money in the mail? <laughs> um, <laughs> The It's P.O. Box 1, which just shows you how original KZYX is. Uh, P.O. Box 1 in Philo, California, 95466. Um, yeah, so I was just saying, our local programming is so amazing. I think Citizen U is so informative. I mean, trading time is a Saturday staple in our family. I sold my car a couple years ago on trading time, and it was very exciting. I got a lot of calls. Um, when Alicia Bales and Dr. Um, oh, no, now I'm going to blank on his name. Colfax? We're doing that COVID show. I listened to that and got a lot of really relevant local information. Um, so, yeah, I just, oh, our caller's back. All right. Hi, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Hi. You're live on Farm and Garden Show. Oh, hi. I, I have a quick question. Sure. Um, I, somebody, I mean, I had talked to a forester one time, and they had sheep that didn't have wool. They had hair, and they didn't have to be sheared. And I wondered if your guest knew what breed this was or anything about that. They used them for eating, you know, brush and stuff below the in the woods and stuff but they were sheep and they they didn't have wool and i thought that was a great idea because i like your guests got tired of running after sheep every year that they had to be sheared and i thought anybody wanted to get sheep that didn't have to be sheared there's actually a sheep that has a haircut <laughs> i don't know what the kind of degree is okay great thank you we will give you that answer thank off you. the air okay. thanks for the call okay. Before I let you answer that question. 
I, yeah, no, we'll, we'll answer that question. We will answer that question. Stay tuned, caller. Um, We'd love to give you the answer to that question. Uh, But first, we have to finish this little, like, pitch moment. Um, And I also want to mention that we get a bunch of great NPR programming, too. So right after this show is always Democracy Now!, which can be an intense but important listen. Um, And Fresh Air, Reveal, This American Life. I mean, there's just the California Report. I'm like you. If I'm in my car, it's KZYX, and we have a radio. Um, I'm always stealing Carson's work radio to listen to KZYX, too. So maybe I should just get myself my own radio. Yeah. If you're listening right now and you're feeling resonant with what we're saying if you're like thinking of shows you want to say that you love too because i know that there are many more out there i know humble pie that saturday oh, yeah just, just saturday all my latina always bringing the beats amazing so let us know what your favorite shows are maybe farm and garden show is one of your favorite shows oh, i hope so <laughs> it's a good one uh, you can also donate online at kzyx.org super easy um and, you know, I will say that even though I'm a, I'm a donor that donates once a month, um, which I totally encourage you guys to do, it, would, it saves me the hassle and time of thinking about my donations. Um, I always call in during Pledge Drive, too, just because I want to participate. I want to say something, and I want my voice heard. And there's all kinds of cool things that you get out of pledging this time, especially this pledge drive is a special one because it is so focused on an actual thing, which is the building fund. Um, Usually pledge drive is about supporting the programming and all of the activities of the whole station. And this one is really focused on this new building in Ukiah. And so it's it's a great time to donate. Your name will get... um, will get put on public display as a list on the list of supporters of the new Ukiah building. So, okay. It's embarrassing story time. If you've stuck with us, you're about to be rewarded. So I know a lot of people listening are Mendocino locals. There are, there's a, a thriving community here of people who've been here for a long time. I am not a local. I came here 10 years ago, uh, which is like barely a blip in terms of like becoming local status here. Um, but my first summer here in 2012, I Mendocino County is geographically vast, but the community itself is quite tiny, and I didn't understand that yet. And I was dating my now husband, um, Carson, bless his soul. Uh, we hadn't been together very long, and I was at Paul Bunyan Days over on the coast, obviously my first time there, and just like soaking it all in, loving the local atmosphere. I'd met so many cool people. I was, you know, young and had this cool boyfriend, and he was Cal Fire at the time, and there was this group of Cal Fire people walking around with Smokey the Bear, and I thought he was on a strike team at the time. And I thought, how cute would it be if I got a picture with the Cal Fire and Smokey the Bear and sent it to him? And so, like the huge dork I am, I went up to them. I said, hi, can I take my picture with you? My boyfriend's Cal Fire, thinking I was like very cool. Um, And of course, they wanted to know who my boyfriend was. (laughs) And I was like, oh, there's no way you'd know him. Now, bear in mind, we'd only been dating a few weeks. Like this was very new. Um, he would probably be embarrassed at the time to know that I was even referring to him as my boyfriend. Maybe not, but maybe, you know, you know how new relationships are. Anyway, of course they knew who he was. Of course they knew who he was. They had, one of them had grown up with him. So I had to send 
my brand new boyfriend, this picture of me with these guys in their Cal Fire uniforms, one of whom was his childhood friend, and admit to what I had done. So, sorry, honey. Thanks for marrying me anyway. <laughs> I'm like sweaty thinking about that. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's what he gets for, for marrying a social butterfly. That's right. Well, and also that's what I get for moving to Mendocino County. Like, that is so embarrassing and also so wonderful that just like at a random festival, I met someone that Carson grew up with. And that's Mendocino County. And that's KZYX. You know, it's just this, this small community of, you know, mighty people who care a lot about what's happening in their community. Um, so yeah, now Ruthie, will you kindly answer that question about sheep with hair instead of wool? <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, and, and I'm seeing more and more of these, um, of these breeds around and it, it makes sense because there are so few shearers and because the wool market has dropped so significantly that um, for a lot of people, it's not even worth having wool sheep anymore. Um, and so I, I understand that I've also had some really delicious meat from, from hair sheep flocks. And um, I hate, I hate to say that and admit that live on air because I'm a wool <laughs> sheep lady through and through, but <laughs> I've had your lamb and it is amazing. Yeah. My lamb is very good. And so I will just say, yeah, that that is true. Also, hair sheep, though, there's something to be said about, you know, that's all they're really good at is making meat. So And grazing, the, right? No, are they not? And like this caller said, um, using them in the forest, really, you know, interesting and great idea. And, and some of these breeds um, are more goat-like than sheep-like in the way they eat. And so they they could be potentially better at brush control than grass grazing. Um, so that might be another reason why hair sheep were seen in the forest. But um, a couple of breeds that come to mind, dorper sheep, you see the door, quite a few dorper flocks around here. Um, there's also katahdins. Um, and I, that, that's a, the Magruder Ranch is raising katahdin. I just had a, a really delicious katahdin lamb chop from them that had me thinking I might want to add some katahdins to my Ooh, flock. <laughs> I love that you're eating other lamb. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to, it's good to branch out and see what other people are doing. And yeah. And to try other breeds, there's so much variety and diversity within the species of sheep that um, just like dogs, you know, how many different breeds there are of dogs. There's so many different types of sheep and there's a lot of differences and variation between them. The, the other breed I'm thinking of that they could have been are called Barbados. There's a lot of Barbados sheep. Um, and I see them on Craigslist all the time. And it concerns me whenever you see the sheep, like, a re you know, oh, I see a lot of Barbados on Craigslist. Like, why are people trying to get rid hmm. of Barbados? So Maybe I don't know what that's about. ornery. Yeah, something about them. So um, those are three breeds that, that, um, that you might have seen in the forest there. And cool. yeah, I'm seeing more and more of those. So fun fact about sheep. Well, we are calling this life and death on the farm. And there's really, I mean, let's not dance around it. You raise livestock and you harvest them. You do many things with them. You do grazing and um, you sell beautiful wool pelts. But in order to sell a wool pelt, you first have to harvest that animal, which is the nice way we used to say you have to kill that animal. You have to unalive that animal. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, like, I don't even know what my question is. Just talk to me about what it's like to, how do you decide which lambs you're going to harvest is mm. kind of my first 
question, and maybe that's a little bit of a softball because we don't have to talk about um, the moral calculations of selling meat. Yeah, but, yeah. but we will get into that. And yep, that, it's a great question. Um, so most of my, I, I like the size of my flock. I'm happy with the size of my flock. And so when I lamb each year, I get usually singles or twins out of each ewe. Mostly I get twins at this point. Um, that's a lot of lambs. If I were to keep them, if I were to keep them all, my flock would grow exponentially. So my goal with most of those lamb, that most of that lamb crop is going to be slaughtered for meat and pelts. And um, I'll choose every year a few replacement ewes, um, like really nice looking female sheep that I want to add to that flock. And sometimes I'll call some of the older ewes and then replace them with with um, a fresh batch of young lambs. Um, so this is the, f the the fate of most males <laughs> on the farm <laughs> that their their destiny is to be eaten. Um, a delicious destiny. Yes, very few get kept for breeding. You really don't need that many rams. Um, I keep just a small group of rams for my flock and. Um, and so most of the most of the weathers, it's what we call castrated uh, male sheep, are eaten. Um, so that's you, kind of a no when do you castrate them? Like if you know yeah. you're going to harvest them at six months, what's the mm -hmm. point of or a year? What's the point of castrating them? Yeah. So the flavor can change pretty significantly if if their bodies oh, are putting energy hormones into, exactly hormones. They're they're creating their reproductive system. They're putting all this energy into becoming rams instead of the energy that we might be wanting them to be, you know, growing meat. Um, so the flavor and the flavor can change. And that's one of the big ones. But the other big one is that I'd like to control my breeding um, and not have a bunch of inbreeding issues. How um, young can a ram start breeding? Like at what age? Six months is when I start Six months about. old? Yeah, little babies. Wow. <laughs> They're like aphids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they go fast. I mean, they... But the lambs drop out of their moms and are standing in a minute. Right. You know, like their development is very different <laughs> from human babies. And I'm always completely amazed by how quickly they go from, you know, a wet little amniotic fluid covered uh, little mush booger. And then all of a sudden they're standing and nursing. And, you know, an hour later, they're like jumping. So it's amazing. Wow. And then that is not later, going to be your experience, Ruthie. <laughs> think so either the first uh, four months after a human baby are born is called the fourth trimester and that's what mm, we get yeah. for evolving such big heads is <laughs> we have to birth our babies before they're really ready to come out yeah so. they're not like fully cooked when no, they come out of they them. sure aren't they've got like a soft little part on their head that's very terrifying <laughs> there's a lot of things about um motherhood that i'm terrified about but i You're do gonna feel be like great. watching the use and you know watching animals with instincts that are strong for mothering you know makes me feel like okay well probably somewhere deep inside of me i will have some of these instinctual feelings so, and yeah behaviors and <laughs> yeah sometimes they take a couple days or even weeks to kick in but yeah. it's okay yeah. to not like connect immediately i will say and this is a controversial thing to say out loud but i don't like babies um i don't think babies are that interesting until they're like five or six months old but i did love my own so that's promising yeah that's helpful i i 
you know, I guess I will also admit on air that I I wasn't really I wasn't like stoked on the baby thing. My two of my very best friends had babies in the last year, and I love those babies, like you know, like like they were my own in a way that made me feel like oh I could probably I could probably love a baby I guess I love these <laughs> babies. But um, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't like an obvious choice for me. I hadn't, I hadn't been, you know, thinking about what it would be like to be a mother my whole life. I definitely only in the past few years started thinking about what that could look like. So, especially as a rancher, and you know, thinking about my lifestyle and my identity, and and how much of that identity already I've had to kind of shift just to be pregnant. Like, yeah. All of my shearing, I've had to put shearing on hold for, for this year, at least. Um, I'm a firefighter, so no firefighting this year. Um, those are two big parts of my identity that help me feel strong and proud. And, you know, the having to give those two things up this year was really, was really hard. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it helps to be reminded of, like, this incredible task that my body is doing that, no one else can see really much of, but I can feel all the time that like, you know, first trimester, I was growing a whole other organ, growing a placenta was like the most it takes exhausting. takes a lot out of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's you the know, hardest you'll ever work. Yep. Even on days where you do so nothing. <laughs> I remember my midwife saying that to me and it was so helpful because I was like, gosh, I'm not getting anything done. She's like, you're building a human. It's the hardest you will ever work. Yeah, it, it that was that was a, a huge deal. Um and I did not realize how how big that was. And so that was a big one and and yeah, shifting shifting like who I am and what what I derive pride and joy and you know, my my feelings of confidence from that's also like a huge reality. Yeah. Shift. Well, and this is going to seem maybe like an inappropriate thing to ask, but I'm going to do it anyway, because it's a pledge drive show. Yeah. Your job is largely predicated on separating babies from their mamas. Yeah. And like, they live a beautiful life while they're alive. And they get to spend that time with their mamas, Mm -hmm. and you don't separate them. Um, But then, you know, these animals do end up having, as you know, we like to say, one bad day, these animals that are raised with integrity are still raised for slaughter. Um, so what is it like now for you to have to be responsible for this one bad day? Like, do you feel yeah. differently about it? Hmm. I, that's an interesting question. I actually, my next slaughter date is this Sunday, which is mother's day. Oh boy. <laughs> is it ever? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I work with a, a really, really talented and great local guy who's been teaching me and training me about slaughter and butcher and um and he's going to come out on on sunday um we work side by side you know i've been when the lambs are born you know they're they are really cute but i'm thinking to myself you know i know what's going to happen i know what the what the long-term one-year plan is for this animal so just being prepared i want to just take a pause because it seems like maybe we have a call we do have a call you're going to get let off the hot seat for a second (laughs) Hi, caller. You are live on the Farm and Garden Show. Hi, am I on the air? Yes, you are. Well, I love listening to you, too. But I have a question about 
grazing pastures um, for other people. Okay. And I was wondering how that works, how much it might cost, the ballpark kind of cost, and because um, I'm interested in renting some sheep to come out and graze pastures on a ranch in Willits. Okay, great. We'll take your answer offline. Thanks for the call. Thank you. So, Ruthie, I don't think we can talk about prices. Um, that's one of those like radio rules that maybe I don't have exactly right. But why don't you let folks know how they can get a hold of you to have those conversations? Yeah, well, and and I will say I heard a couple things in that question. Um, one is about renting sheep, and that's certainly something that's different from what I do, but is a great is a potential way that people who own land that has have good fencing and the you know infrastructure and everything to, to keep sheep in that um, that's a possibility that you could rent you could rent sheep or um, you know I think it's really nice to be able to work with your local you know grazing shed if you will yeah, <laughs> your, you know absolutely. your neighbors and you know talking to other people who have livestock around you if you have great infrastructure sheep fencing or and you're in water and you know if you're set up for grazing um you know you could work with local people to bring animals to your land if they're your neighbors um you could also rent sheep if you want to work with a contract grazer like me um you you're welcome to reach out and and i can talk details about this my email address is um ruth r-u-t-h letter f like frog king k-i-n-g at gmail.com that's the best way to reach out to me with inquiries um and i think that it's i think that it's okay to just say that like the rate that it's impossible for me to give a number without doing a site walk and looking at all those factors like infrastructure topography what's the forage like um you know usually it's not totally worth it for me to come out to um really small properties so bigger the bigger properties are what our contract grazers are usually able to come and do um but like i said if you're working with neighbors and you're able to like pool together a group that can be a great way to make it happen cool okay so that's ruth f king at gmail.com you can also email dj at kzyx.org put farm and garden show in the title and that will make its way to me and then i can connect you with whatever resources you're looking for this hour is flying by um i feel like ruthie you and i i think i say this during every show but it's always true i think i could just keep having these conversations indefinitely so um i we gotta do a little pitch again and at the end we're gonna get some more embarrassing stories uh so ruthie and i are both members of kzyx which um i love being a member it makes me feel even more connected to the community um it get lets you you know vote in the elections and it just you know affirms my commitment to the importance of local radio independent radio um and i also because oh man can you hear that there all of a sudden is weed whacking all around my building I don't, I don't think I hear it. Oh, good. It's the Farm and Garden Show, like, for reals. There is active gardening <laughs> happening outside. Anyway, for this show, um, because 
I believe so much in what we're doing and because I want the commemorative mug. Um, my husband, Carson, and I are going to donate $150. So for $150, you get this super cool commemorative mug. It's 14 ounces. It's ceramic. It's beautiful. I want it. Um, I also love public recognition because I am an ENFJ and thrive off of praise. So my our names are also going to go on the plaque on the new building. So that's something that can be your future as well. You can make a donation for any amount. I mean, it could be literally $5, but for $150 or for a monthly donation of what's 12, what's 150 divided by 12, whatever that is. I was an English major. Um <laughs> You can get a mug. There's also really cute socks that Ruthie was ooing and aahing over. Um, and there's some other cool stuff in there, too. Some rainbow scarves and... Yeah. And just knowing that you're participating in this pretty, like, enormous, momentous moment in the history of KZYX. It started in Philo in 1989. I just recently had the opportunity to go to that studio. And you can totally see how that has been, like, the beating heart of this, what started as kind of like a small, scrappy station and has grown exponentially. Um, but the trees are having their own way. Um, and the signal is getting blocked and Philo is just unfortunately no longer a viable place to broadcast from. Uh, there will still be a remote studio in Philo, but we are moving to Ukiah. That is happening um, and we need some money to do it and we need our community to support us so we can keep supporting you. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I want to say too that I know we all have a lot of demands on our finances right now. And $150 is not an insignificant amount of money in my household. Um, so if you are someone who has a lot of demands on your finances, I totally understand. And if you could find even, you know, five or $10 to give to the cause, that is not nothing. It really does take all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, moving the station to Ukiah, while it is a sad moment because Philo Station has been just such a such a core part of the the heart of KZYX, like you said, being able to have really reliable transmission out of Ukiah will make it so that fire and emergency and disaster coverage is really really reliable. And I know that this time of year, with the nice misty, foggy weather that we're having right now, we're not thinking about that. But KZYX is. 100% the the most useful immediate news information like emergency source for me to go to during Oh fire. yeah. That's on 24/7 in our house when there's a fire. Yeah, being moving the station to Ukiah and having that really reliable signal uh, is is going to be key and your donation will make that possible. And like Elizabeth said, anything any amount will just show that we that you're out there that you're listening and that you care about this cause you can also donate online at kzyx.org and you can send us a check in the mail to p.o box one philo california 95466 um i actually got a very sweet piece of mail from a listener and i won't say their name um but they wrote me a really beautiful letter after i did a show a few weeks ago not related to farming and gardening but about fat phobia and anti-fat bias um and i just got a really amazing outpouring 
outpouring of support after that show, which was a really scary show to do. And um, it is this person's 84th birthday this May. So that could be today, but it's sometime this month. So just if you're listening, um, if you wrote me a beautiful letter after that show, happy birthday and thanks for the mail. Mm, That's lovely. Ruthie. Do you have an embarrassing story for us? Oh, yeah. I, I, You asked me about this, and I couldn't think of a single one because nothing embarrassing has ever happened to me in my whole life. Of course. But then I called my sister, Eva, who, of course, remembers everything embarrassing that's always been happening to me. And this is a story from early days of farm school, the School of Adaptive Agriculture, when I was living in the schoolhouse, critical error, um, to live in the same place where you work. Uh-huh. The, the bedroom I was living in is now the office of the schoolhouse, which makes so much more sense than being the bedroom of the program director. But I was living there and, you know, very, very poor work-life balance kind of situation. <laughs> <laughs> no um, farmer listening can relate to that at all. Yeah. Or a nonprofit worker. Right. right. <laughs> so I, um, I was in my bedroom and, you know, had a door. That was a nice level of privacy. So um, I saw someone pull up to the driveway. I really didn't want to interact with anybody. Just wanted to be alone. And I so I quietly closed the door to the bedroom. And I kind of, at that point, was would have to have walked past the window again to get back to my chair. So I crouched down <laughs> next to the door. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for this person to like come looking for me, realize I'm not there and then leave. Instead, <laughs> I'm crouching behind the door of the bedroom. This person looking for me opens the door to my bedroom. No. I guess they're like trying to deliver a check for the school, but I am the school. My bedroom is the office. It's really chaotic, problematic. This person opens the door, looks down, makes direct eye contact <laughs> with me <laughs> as I'm looking up like silence they turn back around close the door and leave. oh my gosh did you know who it was or was it a stranger yeah, did. you did oh, no okay. no i knew who it was did that make uh, it better or worse well it 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 was a very awkward moment it was like we, we both basically were like let's pretend this never happened oh my gosh i mean, really grateful for him just like silent turnaround leave and not asking what what i was doing crouching down on the floor but yeah, that that one, uh, ooh, that was a very awkward moment. That is very relatable, though. Who hasn't hidden from someone? I guarantee you at some point you're going to hide from your kid. Oh, in a closet. Ooh, that was fun. <laughs> Maybe with a snack you don't want to share. That's real. <laughs> yeah, go eat my ice cream crouch down behind the door. <laughs> Speaking of kids, I do want to give a shout out to my kid, May, if you're listening, I said I would give you a shout out on the radio because every time I come to the radio, she wants to come with me and be on the show. Um, May is five. She is a delight. She loves all things farm and garden. She loves bugs and flowers and animals. And May, you are a very cool person and I love you. Oh, hey, May. That's awesome. What a, what a great little listener. We've got listeners of all ages out there. We really do. Um, they, uh, Carson and May listen every time I keep my phone nearby on silent and Carson will text me if something doesn't sound right. Hmm, So thank you to, you know, Carson, my family for supporting me. This is a volunteer gig. Um, and 
it's just a labor of love, this radio station, and we would love to count on your love. Uh, online at kzyx.org, if it's $150 or more, you get a super cool mug, um, which is what I'm going to get, because I want it, and I love coffee. <laughs> Um, well, just back to just I, one thing I'd like to share with our listeners on air is the kind of ritual and practice that I go through before slaughter. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that we're nearing the end of our show here. And, you know, I've just talked about how we're going to be slaughtering a batch of animals this Sunday. And, you know, how do I how do I do that after loving them and caring for them for a whole year what what is that like um and it certainly isn't it certainly isn't easy but it um it is part of my reality and it feels like um yeah it feels sort of like purposeful um and important it is absolutely a good heavy weight um and so when I started slaughtering with students at the School of Adaptive Agriculture, we were gifted a copy of The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. And so we started this practice of reading the section on eating and drinking before slaughter. And if it's okay with you, I'll read it right yeah. now. Then an old man, a keeper of an inn, said, speak to us of eating and drinking. And he said, would that you could live on the fragrance of the earth and like an air plant be sustained by the light. But since you must kill to eat and rob the newly born of its mother's milk to quench your thirst, let it then be an act of worship. And let your board stand an altar on which the pure and the innocent of forest and plain are sacrificed for that which is pure and still more innocent in man. When you kill a beast, say to him in your heart, by the same power that slays you, I too am slain and I too shall be consumed. For the law that delivered you into my hand shall deliver me into a mightier hand. Your blood and my blood is not but the sap that feeds the tree of heaven. And for me, you know, everyone's got different spiritual and, you know, religious values. Um, but for me, this concept that all of us will be eaten and consumed by something, you know, we don't, none of us get out of this life alive. We're all gonna, we're all gonna make it out of here. Um, the same the same way at the end and um so this this recycling of being consumed is i think such an interesting concept and so i i do value the life of the animal and i think when i make that into meat for families and for people and for my friends and my community that to me is like the ultimate recycling and passing on of something good Wow, I didn't expect to end this show with tears in my eyes, but that was really beautiful. And we're out of time. I cannot believe this show flew by so fast. Ruthie King, owner and operator of Headwaters Grazing and Sheer Mendocino Farms at Ridgewood Ranch with an amazing community of farmers up there. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am really grateful for your time. I'm grateful um, for all of you. And yeah, I just, I'm so blessed to be part of this community and to count you as a friend, Ruthie. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.